Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to the First Baptist Church in Coleraine, Massachusetts, wherever you are. Thank you for tuning in. We really appreciate that. We are studying through the book of Revelation, and we are up to chapter 15. It's just eight verses today, brief, and it's called, uh, the heading in this Bible is Seven Angels with Seven Plagues. So let's read the Word of God. I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign. Seven angels with the seven last plagues, last, because with them God's wrath is completed. And I saw what looked like a sea of glass mixed with fire and standing beside the sea, those who had been victorious over the beast and his image and of the number of his name. They had held harps given them by God and sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the ages, who will not fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to your name. For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. After this I looked, and in heaven the temple, that is the tabernacle, of the testimony was opened. Out of the temple came the seven angels with the seven plagues, and they were dressed in clean, shining linen and wore golden sashes around their chests. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls filled with the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. May God give us understanding of his word this morning. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do need understanding of these scriptures. We know that it's true, it will happen, and uh, we should not be concerned if you're a believer because 
the church will not go through the tribulation period. That's what these scriptures are all about. But we need to be aware for those that are unsaved and people that we know and love need to be warned of the coming wrath of God that will be poured out on this earth. So give us understanding. May we be tuned in and not be distracted as we listen to this message that we have prepared for each one of us. It's relevant for every one of us here this morning and those that are watching and listening wherever you are. In Jesus' name, amen. This is going to talk about the final wrath, the seventh wrath that's going to be poured out during the tribulation period. It, uh, this is a this chapter is the preparation for the vile judgments or the, the bowl judgments that will surely take place on this earth. I've entitled this message, The Harps and the Bowls. We're learning about what will happen in the latter half of the seven-year tribulation period, known as the Great Tribulation. That's the last three and a half years. The Apostle John, he sees a great and amazing sign in heaven. He was given these visions and he wrote them down for our benefit. What did he see? He saw seven angels carrying seven bowls that contains seven plagues. And it says the last. Why the last? Because it's the last of God's seven judgments that will be poured out on unbelievers before Jesus returns to set up his kingdom on earth, his millennial kingdom, which is a thousand years. You know, God's judgment on sin will always fall. And when it does, here in particular, there's going to be no further opportunity to repent and avoid it. But now, thankfully, we're living in the age of grace. This is a different dispensation we're talking about. And people have the opportunity to receive the Lord Jesus Christ, to be saved from their sins and saved from the wrath to come and judgment. And I hope you've done that. Even during the tribulation, we've learned you know, where, where there's wrath, the wrath of God, there's also mercy. So God's given these people every opportunity to turn from their sins to the Savior. And many will but unfortunately, many will not. John also saw a sea of glass mingled with fire. This may symbolize the divine purging of sin, where God's final judgment falls on those who have chosen to follow the Antichrist, who have chosen to follow the beast. Another name for the Antichrist. John also sees a crowd standing there beside this sea of glass. And this group are probably 
the Christian martyrs that were saved during the tribulation period but killed for their faith, who refused to accept the Antichrist's mark of the beast. They sooner would die than to follow the Antichrist. And they did die, and they will die. But now John sees them in heaven. These are the tribulation saints. And they're in heaven, and they are victorious because they refuse to receive the mark of the beast, which is 666. And they paid the price for following Jesus. They gave their lives because of their faith in him. And all those that side with God are always on the victory side. Amen? You know, regardless of what we go through, what we suffer in this world, remember, keep your eyes focused on the future in heaven where there's going to be no more pain and suffering and no more cares, all right? All of us are going to suffer one form or another in this world due to sin that came in and messed everything up. But we're on the victory side because we've trusted in Jesus Christ, amen? It's what we need to focus on. We're on the victory side. We're no longer losers. We're victorious. And this is why... These tribulation saints, these martyrs, are, are going to celebrate. They're going to celebrate. And what does God do? He gives them all a harp. You know, they probably didn't have to take lessons before, you know. They're victorious. And like I said, all those that side with God are on the victory side. They're given harps by God. And one man... One woman said, uh, you know, this reminds me of my husband, you know, these angels with these harps. He says, why? Because my, my husband's always harping on about something. <laughs> See, I could have said the wives, in, you know, and I could have turned that around, but I'm not, I'm not picking on the women. We better not. We have to live with them, right? So why are they celebrating? Because they're victorious. They're ready to celebrate. They're giving these harps. You know, like some people think, you know, when we, we all get to heaven, then St. Peter's there at the pearly gates and he gives us a harp and, you know, we're jangling along with the, with the angels. No, no. But there are harps in heaven. This proves it, right? And they're celebrating because they are on the victory side. They're victorious. These tribulation believers, they're going to be singing two songs, he tells us. What were they? What, what will they be? He tells us. One of them is the song of Moses. This was also sung by the people of Israel when God miraculously delivered them through the Red Sea. You can read this in Exodus chapter 15 for yourselves. I hope you do. You'll be encouraged. You'll be blessed if you do. Exodus chapter 15. God delivered his people, the people of Israel, from Egyptian sl slavery. And they sang the song of Moses. What's the second song they're going to be singing? The song of the Lamb. Who is the Lamb? The Lamb of God is Jesus Christ. 
whose blood will redeem those people that will place their faith in him during the tribulation period, like these martyrs that have died for their faith in Christ. You know, it's only the blood of Jesus Christ that can redeem sinners from the devil's shackles. Once we were slaves to sin, we were slaves to the devil. But now, having received Jesus, our chains fell off, our hearts are free. We rose, went forth, and followed thee, the Lord Jesus Christ. We were slaves. We were held in bondage to the, the devil. And now we've been set free. If the Son of God sets you free, you shall be free indeed. He paid the price for us by his precious blood that he shed on the cross. John sees these tribulation saints rejoicing in heaven, praising the Lord for performing great and mighty deeds that only he could do. He alone is just and true in all his ways, mighty, never makes a mistake, the king of the ages, who will one day return and set up his throne in Jerusalem and rule the nations. The government shall be upon his shoulders. Verse 4, the celebrating tribulation saints now in heaven acknowledge that everybody should revere the Lord and glorify his name because he is holy, holy, holy. Set apart from sin, he cannot be tempted with evil like we are and he does not tempt people to do evil. Remember that. Now, during this tribulation, multitudes, I would say millions, if not billions of people, will follow the beast, will worship the beast, the Antichrist. But when Jesus returns, set up his kingdom, only the redeemed, only those that are saved from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation, they're going to be gathered together to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, when he sets up his throne in Jerusalem. And they're going to acknowledge his righteous acts and all that he has done for them. Listen to the Old Testament prophet, Zechariah, chapter 14, regarding this future event called the millennial kingdom that Jesus will set up when he returns. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. Chapter 14, verse 6 also predicts, then everyone who survives of all the nations that have come against Jerusalem shall go up year after year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts. This hasn't happened yet. This is a future event that will take place when Jesus sets up his kingdom. And we're going to rule and reign with him as well. Now, verses 5 and 6, we learn about these seven angels. They emerge from a temple in heaven that John sees. He describes them. They're clothed in bright linen. 
Now, this represents purity. You know, uh, there's a tradition am amongst uh, people that get married. The, the women, or the, the, the bride, they, she wears what? White. What does that represent? Purity. No comment, but anyway. <laughs> they are, they're wearing white linen. It represents purity. What else are they wearing? What else do, they, do John describes them wearing? They've got these golden sashes or belts. You know, this is similar to what John saw that Christ was wearing as well when he first appeared to him on the island of Patmos. You can read that in Revelation chapter 1, verse 13, a golden sash or a belt. And these angels are wearing the same thing in white linen that represents purity. And these sashes, they're made of pure gold. You know, pure gold, it symbolizes not only purity, but also the glory of God. You know, all the articles in the temples, in the Old Testament temples, all the articles were made of pure gold. Now in verse 7, we've only got two more verses to go. Talks about these four living creatures. We learned about them in Revelation chapter 4. But there's only one of them, we read, who's going to hand seven golden bowls. I mean, some versions it says vials. You know, you get the, you know, you ever got a, a like a, a science kit when you were a kid, you know? And when you've been to school, you get these little glass things. That's, they're called vials. It's probably better to call them a bowl. It doesn't matter. But they're made out of gold, pure gold. And one of these four living creatures is going to hand seven angels seven golden bowls. And what are they? What do they contain? It tells us they're full of God's wrath containing plagues that will soon be poured out on the earth. Now, this is, like I said before, this is a preparation for what will come in the next chapter. This, this is going to take place. They handed these bowls, preparing to pour out these bowls on the earth prior to when Jesus returns and sets up his kingdom. This is at the, at the end of the tribulation period, which we'll learn more about next week. They're full of God, God's wrath. They're full of plagues that's going to be poured out. You know, there's two sides of God's relationship with people, with human beings. There's two sides to God's relationship with human beings. The first, and that's the good news, is his love, God's love. God is love. God loves people. And he loves them so much. And he demonstrated his love for people by sending his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to be a perfect sacrifice for our sins on the cross. On the other hand, on the other side, God's relationship with people is his judgment on them. 
when he pours out his wrath on those who reject his offer of love, who reject the Lord Jesus Christ, whom he sent to save them. Listen to this verse in John chapter 3. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Who's the Son? Jesus. That's the good news. You can be saved if you believe that Jesus died for you on the cross, that he was buried, that he rose again from the dead. If you believe he is the Son of God, you can have eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life for God's wrath remains on them. So those that are unsaved, God's wrath abides upon them. They're condemned. They're on a death sentence. But Jesus paid the penalty for their sins so they can go free. Amen? Amen. You know that many people believe wrongly that God's love and God's wrath, they're incompatible, like oil and water. They don't mix. But the Bible clearly opposes that belief. Are you going to believe the Bible? Are you going to believe your idea of who, who you think God is? The Bible explains who God is. Look at his standard. Just look at the Ten Commandments. That's God's moral law. And we've all broken them. You know, if you want to talk to somebody who's, who you're trying to lead to Christ, and you ask, you ask them, do you think you're a good person? If somebody were to ask you, do you think you're a good person, what would you say? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm a good person. And then you say to him, uh, have you ever stolen anything? Well, yeah, when I was a kid. Well, you, did you steal anything? Yeah, well, what does that make you then if you steal something? You tell me. What does that make you if you steal something? A thief. Right? Say, so have you ever lied? Well, yeah, yeah, of course. What does that make you then? A liar. Have you ever looked at a woman or a man to lust after them? What does that make you? An adulterer. So now you're, you're a lying, thieving, adulterous. And have you, what about, have you ever taken the Lord's name in vain? You hit your finger with a hammer. Or whatever you've done. And then you, oh, and you substitute God's name for something else. So you're a lying, thieving, adulterous, blasphemer. We're all sinners. We've all broken the, God's moral law. Amen? Doesn't that put it in plain English? Doesn't that make more sense to you? So we're all lost, right? So we all need a savior who is without sin, who paid the penalty. Jesus paid the price. We're guilty sinners, we're in a condemned cell, about to be executed, and then you hear 
somebody died in your place. They were executed in your place. And now you're free to go. What? I'm a guilty sinner. I deserve to be executed for my sins. You're okay. Somebody's just paid the price. Somebody died in your place. Now you can go. Jesus died in our place. He paid the penalty. Can't get plainer than that, can I? It's that simple. Believe it. It's true. Jesus, who was without sin, paid the penalty for us, making salvation available to all those that believe in his name. Final verse. We read that smoke's burning in this heavenly temple that John sees. And this is going to continue to burn until these seven plagues, which we'll learn more about next week, Lord willing, are going to be poured out at the end of the tribulation period. Until that happens, before the bowls are poured out, nobody is allowed to enter into that temple because of all that billowing smoke. Now, this is similar to when Moses finished in the desert, when you know, the other tribes of Israel, they're in the desert for 40, 40 years. And uh, God told him to build a tabernacle or the tent of meetings where he would meet with them. And they kept wandering around and disassembling it and reassembling it until finally they got into the promised land and they, they built Solomon's temple. Now, this tabernacle, the tent of meeting, is like a big tent that Moses finished building in the desert. And it tells us that smoke filled that tent. It's otherwise referred to as the Shekinah glory. It filled the tent. Nobody was allowed to go in there. Why would you? You'd be dead. This is what happened. Moses, he wrote this. He said, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle and Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because of the clouds settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. You can read that in Exodus chapter 40. Later on, when the Jewish temple was built, Israel's temple, Solomon's temple, David wasn't allowed to build it because he'd shed so much blood. So it was given to his son, Solomon, to build that, construct it by God's instructions. King Solomon, he dedicated, when he dedicated the temple in Jerusalem, which was totally destroyed, this is what happened, similar to what happened in the desert, the tent of meeting. This is a solid structure now. Fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter into the house of the Lord. Why? It tells us. Because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. You can read that in Second Chronicles chapter 7. You know, without God's gracious invitation to draw near to him, 
Nobody would be able to survive the glory of his presence. But one day, because we are saved, I think you mentioned that this morning in Sunday school, one day we'll see him face to face. We'll see him as he is. We'll see him one day. And he's not our judge. He's not our judge anymore. He's our saviour. And then it tells us, in the, and I'll read the next verse, in uh, chapter 16, verse 1, and we'll go into that next week. John hears a loud voice that commands these seven angels carrying the seven golden bowls filled with seven plagues to pour out those onto the earth. Now, God alone has the ultimate right to initial, initiate judgment, not us. We're not supposed to take the law into our own hands, regardless how much we've been offended. Remember what the word of God says. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, saith the Lord. So judgment is coming during the tribulation, and one day they're going to suffer physical harm and death. Physical, but also they're going to be standing at the judgment seat of Christ and already condemned. One day, these bowls, these golden bowls, they're going to be poured out by these seven angels that contain seven plagues on the people, the unbelieving world that are targeted to receive judgments. Physical pain and death. Physical pain and death. And no one's going to get away with anything. Hear about these shootings that are going on? And, uh, you know, horrible people that have committed such horrible things. They're going to they're gonna pay. One day they're going to stand before the Lord. And unless they get saved, they will face the consequences of their wicked deeds that they brought upon themselves. Just like these people in the tribulation, they brought it upon themselves. There's nobody else to blame but themselves because of their rejection of God's offer of his love, God's offer of his salvation through his son who suffered excruciating pain because he loves them. But they prefer to reject him and suffer the consequences. So you can't blame God. They've only got themselves to blame. Amen? God loves them enough to die for them so they wouldn't have to face judgment. But rather they choose to follow the Antichrist and suffer the consequences. So don't blame God. Blame them. Amen? Let's close in a word of prayer. So again, Lord, we are so thankful for the word of God, that it's true, we believe it, God says it, that settles it. 
And it's spiritually discerned. The natural man cannot understand these things in the word of God because they're spiritually discerned. So you need to receive Jesus Christ in order to understand what it says, to believe what it says. And you've got to believe it by faith. No one has ever seen God, but we believe by faith that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and he rose again from the dead, and he suffered in our place so we wouldn't have to face judgment. He paid the price. He paid the penalty. And I hope and pray that you'll receive him as your personal saviour so that you won't have to face judgment. You won't have to face the wrath of God. But if you reject Jesus, then God's going to reject you. And uh, condemnation, God's wrath abides on you. But uh, those of us that are saved and know it are so thankful that we won't have to go through all this because we're going to be taken out prior to the tribulation. And uh, so forever we shall be with the Lord. And we're going to return with him and rule and reign with him when he sets up his kingdom on earth. So we have a wonderful future ahead of us. For that, we are so thankful and grateful. Amen? Amen. If you like this message, if you watch it on YouTube, give us a thumbs up and subscribe. It doesn't cost you anything. All right. Thank you. God bless you all. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.